Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And this morning, it's Friday the 20th of December. Unbelievably so. It's five days from Christmas. So if you haven't done your Christmas shopping, you're a bit late. I think even the post office is going to have issues with you getting your mail to them today to arrive in time for Christmas because Christmas is on Wednesday. I can't believe that either. <laughs> right? But it's cold. And in some parts of the country, it's snowing. So it, it, it has felt like Christmas, especially for those of us in the Midwest. It has felt like winter since October. So it is what it is, right? Well, today on our show, I want to talk about something that is floating around, not just in the Twitterverse, but it's floating everywhere. And we're talking about sex trafficking. In fact, just this morning in our area, uh, in the Metro Detroit area, uh, the police in the, in the city of Warren, Michigan, uh, arrested 46 people for human trafficking. Many of those sound like they're victims. Some of those were women. And we'll talk about the role that women play in in sex trafficking and human trafficking in just a moment. But it seems to me that that particular city, Warren, Michigan, has just become a nexus for human trafficking. I don't know if it's proximity to Canada or I really don't know what it is. But for some reason, or maybe just has a lot more hotels, but somehow Warren, Michigan has become a nexus for sex trafficking. It was just a few months ago back in May that the police arrested 35 people in the same city involved in a sex trafficking ring. And here we are, what, some nine, uh, a few months later, and here we are again talking about sex trafficking in the same city of Warren. So today we're going to talk about sex trafficking in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Happens to be your focus. We did reach out to the district attorney's office. They have yet to get back to us, which we don't expect. But I want to talk about a young woman named Crystal Kaiser. Anybody seen the story floating around? And in this particular story, the the man involved is a white man. And the girls are underage black girls. It is becoming a thing. We've all known by now that sex traffickers focus on vulnerable young people. I don't have anybody on my Twitter feed this morning because they don't want to talk about this. Everybody is hiding, right? Nobody wants to talk about this, but it is what it is. And it's also Friday. People are probably traveling. I don't know, but typically people, a lot of people are on, but that's okay. Right. But they will listen to the podcast later. They probably just don't want to join a live feed, but that is fine. Right. So uh, this young, this, This person, this white man, uh, practices sex trafficking, but he does it with vulnerable young girls. And he lures them in, seduces them, and he even explained to one of his victims why he likes young girls, right? But they're all black, and he's white. Apparently, 
that was his prejudice. That was what he did. The police and the prosecutor's office knew about this guy and did nothing about him. They found evidence of him having sex. He, the man filmed himself having sex with underage girls. So the police found evidence of it on his computer and did not arrest him. They left him out to continue doing what he did, and he did continue doing what he did. He even hired a lawyer and paid a lawyer to get him off the case, but they never brought charges. The police and the prosecutor's office dropped the ball, never brought charges against him, even though the guy, anticipating that he was going to need help, legal help, hired a lawyer. The police and the prosecutor's office did not issue a warrant. He continued to do what he did because he probably thought he could get away with it. Now, I'm going to get into the history of that for a minute, and I know it's going to make some of us uncomfortable, but for those of us who are colored and for those of us who have to continue to deal with misogyny and racism and sexism, it makes us uncomfortable, but we're still going to talk about it in the hope that there are still like-minded individuals out there who see this for what it is, that it's racist, it's misogynist, and that something needs to be done about it, right? So in this particular story, this young girl met him, met Mr. Volar, when she was 16. She was still underage, right? He took advantage of her vulnerability, whether her vulnerability was economic, whether it was emotional, whether it was mental. What you're seeing happening now, and I'll describe it, and then I'll explain why she did what she did, right? So she went back to him when she was 17, and she shot him, and she used her boyfriend's gun to shoot him in his head. And she explained to her boyfriend what the media is reporting of what she said makes it sound like she's a stone-cold killer. Can I just be honest with you? She's a stone-cold traumatized kid. There is nothing more egregious than when someone violates you. And when that violation is sexual, it completely disempowers you and completely demeans you. Nobody likes to be raped. And nobody likes to be raped when you are powerless as a child. So if she thought of going back and if she went back and killed him, the reason behind it is sort of like trying to get your power back. It's kind of like she wants to get her power back and stop him from doing the same thing to others, especially when she realized she was not the only one, that he had a pattern of doing this to young girls all the time. And he filmed it. And apparently he showed the film to his victims. What that was demonstrating is his complete autonomy and power over them. He was conscious that he could do it and get away with it because the police and the prosecutor's office were not going to lock up a white man for raping black girls because black girls historically in this society do what? Have no value. The, our bodies are not valued by the society. We are deemed insignificant. This is why a little white girl will arrange to have someone kill her parents and there's a manhunt out. And when you really look at the facts, the facts are staying in the face that that little girl participated in killing her friends, her parents, so she could go be with her boyfriend. But nobody is, is going to not protect a little white girl who screams wolf, is there? No. But black girls who historically 
have no value placed on them by the society. Because after all, let's just be clear, slavery was not just about economics, it was also about sex. It was also about the power elite, making sure that they had an available uh, bodies to carry out their sexual desires. Black men were raped in slavery. Black women were raped. It's a history that continues to perpetuate itself. So now we have laws that protect us. But do the laws really protect us when the veil of racism still exists? I guarantee you that if a group of white girls had been shown on film to be raped by a man, whether that man is white or black, he would have been locked up. But because we don't value, and black people, black parents, are powerless or feel powerless because they don't feel they have a voice. They're often ostracized. They're often vilified. They're often brutalized. So they are not as ardent and vocal as a white parent would be. They don't feel that they're valued, and they're afraid to come forward and say, something is wrong, my daughter has gone missing. They're afraid to come forward in most cases and say, something has, is amiss. I can't find my kids. Because the society kind of smirks. Well, she was ugly anyway. She was black anyway. She doesn't mean any good anyway. And on and on it goes. And so because there is no value placed on black women's bodies, not on our intellect, not on our bodies, not on our contribution to the building up of America, because after all, let's be clear, America's wealth came from the South that was built on the backs of blacks. And I dare say on black women's bodies. Our bodies were trashed. Our bodies were raped and pillaged, not just for economic reasons, but also when I say for economic reasons, we had to give birth, carry children we didn't want to, to have to give birth so that there was free labor provided to the, to the planters, to the slave owners. Let me just put it that way. So historically, because there is no value, it's going to be real hard for a white man in power to view a black woman through the eyes of value, of value. Because historically, when he, where he grew up and where he came from, there was no value attached. She was just a piece of flesh. You can have sex with it if you want and discard it afterwards if you don't. So through that veil of racism, here comes this man, Volar, who is nobody. He's not a pillar of the community. He has no contribution to humanity. He's just a vapor existing on the earth. He's nobody. He doesn't have property. He doesn't own a business. He doesn't employ people. He hasn't made an ardent contribution to the community where he lives. Yet, just because of the color of his skin, he was more valued than the black girls whom he had sex with. The people who lived across the street knew something was going on, but they didn't call the police either. It's not just that they're saying it's none of their business. It's because the girls going in there were black. If they were white, they would have called a long time ago. So do you see what I'm saying? So this lack of value attached to black women and black women's bodies and black girls, by extension, comes emanates through the society. It is pervasive through all layers of the society. And because of that, we ourselves have now become the watchmen on the wall. 
we have to start watching out for one another. So here's this young girl. She decides to take action, and she decides to get back at him. And then actually, what we have found with trafficking victims is that they're severely traumatized. Nobody likes to do this. They slip into a role and act it out in order to survive. It's kind of like the brain trying to figure out, how can I survive this violation? If you're a man, I guess you can't understand what rape feels like. It's an incredible violation of your body. You feel like somebody is invading your body. Okay? And what happens is you don't know what to, you feel completely powerless. Uh, it's almost as if, uh, all you know, it's somebody saying all people are equal. I wish the, 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 the justice system would see it that way, but unfortunately it doesn't. But thank you for your comment. But so what happens is, <coughs> excuse me, people think that they're insignificant and they discard people. So she, in an, in an attempt to regain her power, took over and started when I shot him. Now she's being locked up to lose her freedom. Like, really? I want to ask the district attorney, well, where was, where were you? You had the evidence. How did you drop the ball? Even if you're racist, even if you don't, didn't value these black girls, even if you didn't, could you at least have pretended to do something about it? Even if, well, they're not my kid and they're black anyway, so their parents are probably on crack. Their parents are probably this or that, whatever. However you felt, could you at least have pretended to make us feel that justice, somehow there's some justice left in the universe? You had the evidence for 12 days. You sat on the evidence that this man was having sex. You saw the films. You knew they existed. You got his computer. How many times have we heard that just recently here in Michigan, the state police confiscated a whole sex trafficking ring and found their computers loaded with pornographic images. This is something that happens over and over. The FBI, the state police, the local PD departments all get involved in confiscating people who have evidence of child pornography on their computer. How did the Kenosha District Attorney's Office drop the ball? Is it because these girls were black? Invariably, his victims were all black. We've got to think that that is why. And from my perspective, that can be the only reason that the the, the district attorney's office did not pursue a case against this man. Maybe if they had arrested him, Crystal would have felt justice had been served on her behalf so she wouldn't have to take matters into her own hands. Therefore, she should be free. As far as I'm concerned, she got a rapist off the street. She got a sex trafficker off the street. And I guarantee you, if the police had investigated, you would have found that Volar didn't operate alone. He did not operate alone. Part of the nexus that happens in human trafficking and sex trafficking, especially when it comes to underage minors, it's not just the perpetrator, the pimp. The pimp has a whole network. Let's just be clear. He doesn't operate in a vacuum. You know, people are walking around like, well, we got pimp number one off the street. We got this pimp off the street. He has a network. He has informers. Sometimes his own family members help him to capture girls and lure them in. They use recruiters like women. In one story I knew of recently, the trafficker used his girlfriend to lure girls in. Her job was to recruit the girls. Her job. And she lived in the fancy house. 
she had the nice house and the nice car, and her job was to post the messages online. We also, I also learned that he had family members. His grandmother lived in one of the houses where they kept the girls. His brother, his uncle participated. They all kept the girls and then transported them from one location to the other. Traffickers do not operate in a vacuum. It's a business, and sometimes it's a family business. Sometimes it's a business where they have to pay off the motel guy. They have to pay off the maids in the motel so they won't talk. They have to pay off the people along the way. Do you really think that traffickers is just one little guy who has control of three girls? Are you kidding me? In some parts, like in some parts of Detroit where they use abandoned houses, how do you think they, they have lookouts down the street to make sure that nobody goes into the abandoned houses where Johns meet the girls? A, a chef in Detroit was killed about two years ago because he was meeting a 16-year-old girl in an abandoned house. Sucks to be him. Why the hell are you meeting somebody in an abandoned house and, dis, uh, and wanting to have sex with a 16-year-old girl? Well, he's dead now. God don't like ugly, does he? Doesn't look like it. Really doesn't look like it. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you look at it, you have to look at trafficking in a, in a, with an overview mindset. You have to look at who are the players. Now, they're not going to tell you how they're investigating, but the fact that they knew this guy existed because he, he took the girls to his house. So how did he find them? Well, he had a recruiting system. That was successful. And if the story probably is told, I don't think he was the only one. He probably got paid to sell the girls to have sex with others. That probably is how the story worked. But have they investigated? No, a white man gets killed. Everybody is angry that a white man gets killed by a black girl, so they go and lock, lock up the poor black girl because she's voiceless and she doesn't have anybody to defend her. Well, it's the age of the Internet. And we all know where it, where it is and what it is happening. Now, and now we have a murderer off the street. Yep. Or do we? Is she a murderer off the street? What about when he was having sex with the girls? Now, when you look at the story on the Washington Post, they posted a picture of this white man in a suit and tie. The inference is that this was an upstanding, even though they're reporting the story as salaciously if you read it, but they're still posting the picture of a white man in a suit and tie and a black girl who looks like she just was working out or something. Do you see where I'm coming from? The, the typology there is indicative that he was an upstanding member of the community and she's nobody. Seriously? I really want to call out the Washington Post on that because that is unbelievable that you actually think that a white that this man was an upstanding member of the community. No, he wasn't. Anybody who has sex with, 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 with children is not an upstanding member of the community. I don't care what your title is. If you are deviant enough to go and have sex with children, something is seriously wrong with you. And I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from, what you look like. I, you're still a pedophile and a pervert. And, and sadly, in this case, it ended up with this man dying. I'm not sad about it because he was a rapist and a pedophile. 
and he deserved, he deserved to be arrested, but somehow he avoided being arrested because the system continues to protect white perpetrators and at the same time leave the vulnerable still vulnerable. Something needs to be done. Sex trafficking is a major problem. And until we completely eradicate it, until we stop making it easy for people to get away with sex trafficking, it's going to continue. The reason it continues is because we make it easy to get away with. We make it so easy that people who continue to have sex with underage children, they still get away with it. There are plenty of people right now, right at this very moment, somebody is searching the internet looking for ways to have sex with children right at this moment. I don't know about you, but that makes me creepy and that makes me feel unsafe. Right now, there are people looking at pictures of your daughter. Maybe it's not you, maybe it's not you, but there are people who have underage daughters. This is why I tell young people, be careful what you post, whether on Snapchat or Instagram. Be very careful what you post because there are nefarious individuals out there whose job it is, is to go and look for opportunities where they can have sex with underage young people. And, and, and seemingly, the message from the society is we don't really care. If, if the society values black girls and, black, and women of color, a few years ago, there were 200 black girls missing in, the, in Washington, D.C. I believe it was January 2017. It's no mistake because what was happening in January 2017? Inaugural, inauguration. A presidential inauguration was on the way. That meant a lot of people were coming from all over the world. There were inaugural balls. There were all kinds of stuff going on. And 200 black girls went missing in one month. So you really beg the question, is racism only racist when it comes to economics? Because it seems like when it comes to sex, the people who want to have sex with vulnerable people don't care what color they are. They only care about getting their high, getting their fix. Doesn't it make you wonder? It makes me wonder. So what is this all about? So you keep up a veneer of respectability and civility, but behind the scenes, when you drop your pants, you don't care what color the person is, as long as you get to drop your pants and get to feel and get to feel your power, if that is power. Wayne, somebody, you're all silent in the Twitterverse this morning. You're all very quiet. Nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to talk about this. Here in Detroit, a black man who was a chef a few years ago got killed because he was caught having sex. The girl eventually talked, right? And she gave the story, right? He had a desire to have sex with young girls. He paid extra to have sex with her without a condom. And that's how he got killed because the girl's pimp was also her boyfriend who probably began to object to that. So they had a fight, and he was killed, and that was the end of his story. And at the same time, his family celebrated him. When he was missing, 
oh, he was a good man. He was an outstanding member of the community. He was this, he was that. But even when the story was coming out that he was having sex with underage girls, you're still going to sit up there and talk about him being a good man? That's hypocrisy. I don't care who you are. I don't care what color you are. Wrong is wrong. He was still having sex with an underage girl and delighted in it to the extent where he would go to an abandoned house. I guess he got thrilled right to the end, huh? You have to wonder about stuff. Sometimes you have to wonder about karma. He paid for that. The girl is, she didn't do anything. She's now uh, free. But that doesn't mean she's free in her mind. And when I'm looking at Crystal and reading her story and how she she organized, I began to see that there is something. It's almost as if her natural balance, her natural serotonin levels in her brain, her natural chemical balance in her brain just got bounced off where she was consumed by the desire to only want revenge. And she became focused on it, and she was willing, she, whatever happened was going to happen because she felt like her innocence had been taken away. And I just want to say to all the people out there who feel like you are justified in robbing people of their innocence, well, good luck to you. You're going to get caught. It's not, it's not pretty, and it's not easy. And for some of you, you might feel uncomfortable. And some of you may even be victims of sex trafficking. There, we do know about stories where family members sell their young children into sex. I have experienced that. I have seen that. I know of that. One girl told she was eight years old when her father told her to go stand on the corner and don't come back till you bring home money. Be nice to the man. Do what they want and bring the money back home. She was eight years old. When I met her, she was 21. And completely broken. I guess she left the state where she grew up because she couldn't be in the same town with the father who had sent her on the street corner at eight years old to have sex. People are often traumatized by their own family members who tell them it's okay. Go out and do it. Bring the money back home to 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 to, to mom and dad. Some of you are joining and dropping off. That's okay. It's a tough subject this morning, right? And I know it was going to be like this, but it, it, it is what it is, right? And this continues over and over again. So where is the reprieve? We're waiting on a justice system that is supposed to help victims. That's the point. A justice system that if you feel like you're being victimized and you step forward and you go and say, hey, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, then there should be some redress. There should be some justice, but the justice system is still skewered in favor of color first. It starts off with the color first, and then it goes to class. Now, if he's a rich white man, he definitely is going to be like Mr. Kraft from Kraft Foods. He's not going to see jail time any day soon, anytime soon. So it starts off on the premise of the color first, and everybody is just in color, and nobody is going to do anything about it. This is unbelievable. And at some point, something has to be done because we cannot continue to let victims feel that the only redress they have is to go and take care of it themselves. They need treatment. 
under this new current administration, one of the things they did was they took the money out of some of these justice programs through the Office of Victims, uh, Victim Services. They took a lot of money out of these programs that were given to community-based agencies that were providing services and relief services to victims of crime and took the money and distributed it to the attorneys general who invariably give it to law enforcement and then they go do whatever they want with it. It doesn't get filtered into community-based agencies that are providing services to victims. So a lot of people who are victims of violent crime are walking around broken and disconnected. They have no help. Do you realize that people who were violated as children, whether the abuse was physical or sexual or emotional, it leaves a mark on them for the rest of their lives? I've been seeing this for years. Broken children become broken adults. And so it doesn't matter how old you grow. You never forget. It stays with you. And in an effort to reclaim your power, in an effort to get yourself back, the victimization that took place, some people resort to violence. They're what we say acting out. They're victims of severe trauma. One young lady who had been violated from the time she was three, when I met her, she had 30 different uh, uh, psychological effects. She had multiple personalities. It was unbelievable. I could not believe. And I had to, at some point, I had to be human enough to sit down And imagine, if it were me, what would I have felt like? Right? Right? Imagine, if it were me, what would it have felt like? What would it have felt like? What would I have done? And I find that victims of sex trafficking are severely traumatized people. They suffer from an emotional trauma that is so deep because, again, What happened to them was deep. It was personal. And I know the society in its presentation does not honor or respect or appreciate the contribution of people of color because the society is white and they still believe in the white power movement that says that, well, we we own it. No, you don't own it because black people helped you to make it and black people contributed to it. So you don't own it. No, you don't. Show me where you own it. You brought, kidnapped, you human trafficked black people were human trafficked from Africa and brought to the Americas to work as slaves. There is a door in Ghana called the Door of No Return that was built by white uh, slave ship owners and slave owners because they, 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 the thinking at the time was once they come out through that door, they will never return to Africa, to their homeland. That has not stopped. You know why? Because when we raise our children, we impart subliminally our own values. So even if we never have to tell them not to do this, it's suggested. It's in conversation. They grew up seeing how we play it out. So they learn, and the children model the behavior that they have seen. And it's going to continue. It doesn't matter who is in power. 
Does it matter? No. It doesn't matter who is in power. It's going to continue. Right? My goodness. My goodness. My goodness. And so what we find is that we all, we all need to figure out where, where does this go? Is it going to stop? No, not until we fundamentally change our perception of people and how we look at people. Not until we recognize that if justice is going to be prevailed, then justice ought to be colorless. It ought to be that if you appear before somebody, your color does not matter, that what matters are the facts. But in this case, when you look at the facts, the facts are the police, if the, if the girl had just appeared as she shot her people, okay, she shot her pip, okay, then it's a murder case. But then when you learn that the police knew he was doing it, had the evidence, and did not arrest him, it's something, it becomes something else. Right? I know it's tough, but it is what it is. And we've got to address it because vulnerable young people, vulnerable people all over the world are being trafficked. Human trafficking has become a worldwide problem. And the trafficking of vulnerable people, you see all these folks leaving Africa and going to Europe? You best believe that there is an element of human and sex trafficking involved right there. All these folks who are running away from their land, they present, they become vulnerable. People tell them, well, if you want this, you got to do this. If you want this, you do this. Then they become enslaved. That's what happens with these underage girls. They were vulnerable. They were probably economically vulnerable. Hard times hit the families. They can't get work through generations. Generational poverty is a thing. People can't move out of communities, can't advance. They become frustrated. They turn to whatever. This guy was uh, getting these girls off a particular website. He knew what he was doing. He had an organized system. I dare say that his system was so organized, he had to have gotten help from some people. Listen, a white man driving around with young black girls in his car, if he gets pulled over by the cops, what happens? You think the cops don't know what's going on there? They just let him through because, hey, he's my buddy. They know what's going on. They just ignore it because it's not their kid and it's not some white girl whom they value. And, and the thing about racism I have found that I found unique about racism is that it's so natural. It's so instinctual the way it operates. You don't even realize that what you just said was racist until someone pointed it out to you and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that. I actually am not like that. But that's how you think because racism is a body of thought. It's how you think. And it is passed on from generation to generation. It's subliminal in the way it is communicated. It's subtle, but it is effective in the way it operates. It continues to operate today. And I don't care if you don't like it, you don't experience it because you are probably the perpetrator of racism. But it happens. And what is happening is that this is not just in Kenosha, Wisconsin. This is happening in communities across the country where black girls who are economically vulnerable are being taken advantage of by men who have more money and more affluence and power. And it's got to stop. 
And there are black men who participate. The human trafficking ring that was caused by the police in this area, right? There are black men who are involved in it. They too are just as bad because they subliminally ingest that black women, black girls don't have any value except they're going to bring money to them. And when some of them who have more money can't get it done here, they take a plane and go to another country where they get it done under the radar and they fulfill their desire to have sex with underage people and pay off people over there so when they come back, they can act like upstanding members of the community. Then you have to ask yourself, what role do women play in these scenarios? Where are the women? Where are the wives of these people? The wives know that their husbands are up to something. But what can I tell you? It's pure economics. You want to stay married? You keep your mouth shut and not say anything and you'll stay married. So the wives say nothing. I must have said this to you guys a few months ago. I was at an event and a man came up to me and told me that, you know, wives are involved in it. Yes, the wives know. You do check your husband's bank statements. You do see the money being withdrawn. You do see the credit card being used at hotels. You just, wives don't say anything because, again, they don't want to be divorced. They don't want to be alone. They don't want to be without the social status and position and the economic provision of the man. So the wives know about it and put up with it. But you know what else they do? They don't just put up with it. Guess what? They continue. When they see a young black girl show up for a job interview and they happen to be the power to hire, they're not going to hire her because they have an inherent. I'm telling you, racism is pervasive. It's practiced by both men and women. Oh, listen to this one. You're all ready for this. This woman on my YouTube feed is saying blacks did most of the selling. Honey, we're not going to believe you because you're part of the white establishment. So whatever you say comes from that. So don't stop. Stop. You sound ridiculous. Stop. Right? Stop. Right? And so what happens is until we ourselves start placing value on our girls and we do that, right? But what we're fighting is entrenched racism. And it is so entrenched, it's so endemic, that it's basic in its application. It's pervasive. It's almost as if if you're a black prosecutor, and if you're like myself talking about it, you start saying, well, what can I do? There's almost nothing you can do about it because you realize how pervasive it is and how destructive it is in its intent. It, it, it's looking at what happened in Kenosha. I know that it happens in other cities. And sadly, we may never hear about it. These girls continue to be violated over and over. Back in the summer, somebody called me and told me that there was a situation where they were looking for their lost child and they found a house where there were 12 and 14 year old girls at the house. Right? They found a house with several 12 and 14 year old girls. I was appalled 
They never knew something like this could happen. I've been talking about it for a while. It happens over and over and over again. And it continues to happen over and over and over again. Over and over. And the justice system is silent. Now, the FBI has a task force. Homeland Security and all those folks, all the alphabets, they have task forces. They do what they do. And sometimes people suffer from burnout because, to be honest with you, sometimes you can't get them on the trafficking charge. So what they try to do is to find other things. Because invariably, it's not just sex and people that they traffic, is it? No, they're trafficking other things. So they get them on other things and put them away for some time. When they do get them and they can attach something else, believe me, they get put away. But then another one springs up. Somebody else gets a bright idea. Another one springs up. Right? And they see a potential. We had a situation in in another part of Michigan where it was a whole sex trafficking ring. They were having, they were, they had pornography on their computers, having sex with children. One of the persons who got caught up in it was a 55-year-old white man who was vice president of a major bank in this area. I know his, the people around him were like, oh my God, he was untouchable, or so he thought. Acting like an upstanding citizen by day. And when he gets a chance, he was looking at child pornography on his phone. Wives, where are you? You're not asking your husbands anything, are you? You're like, no, I'm not touching it because I want to stay married. I, I like having the money and the status that comes with it. So you don't say anything. You just shut up. What well, When you know your husband is walking around having sex with underage young people. And what about those who have sex with underage boys? It's not just girls. What about those who have sex with underage boys? You know they exist, right? You know that app Grindr? The the app where you can uh, people who are interested in having sex with men, uh, men who want to have sex with men, it's on that app. There are people who specialize in that. What about that? They also do that. It's the underbelly of American life that we don't want to talk about. In a lot of cases, sex and drugs still power a lot of the economies in some small towns and cities. In a lot of cases, sex and drugs are the commerce. In a lot of spaces, sex and drugs is the only commerce. That's all that drives the commerce in some parts of of, of America. It's something no one wants to talk about. It's human flesh. So maybe they're not hauling people off to go work in plantations and shackled anymore. But they certainly are hauling them off into hotel rooms and motel rooms to go have sex and have blowjobs and do all kinds of horrific things with their underage bodies. Do you really think these girls make money? The girls don't make money. The person who makes money is the trafficker. That's who makes the money. The girls are enslaved. They have no autonomy. In some of the cases, the girls will tell you that they have to bring the money back to the trafficker. They can't even stop to get a hamburger, even if they're hungry. Not even a dollar hamburger can they eat. 
Can you believe it? Sex trafficking and human trafficking is real. And as long as people are vulnerable, it's going to continue to happen. But what it is that makes someone want to take power over someone else, I think that's really the fact. It's that moral code. It's like I told you about the religious leader from Missouri who was busy pontificating, but he was on the app grinder looking to have sex with men and had the nerve to justify that he was helping them get through college, right? By, 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 by paying for their books or buying them Rome fee cents. He actually used the Arby's card and said he was, you know, paying for giving them roast beef sandwiches. What is this nefarious intention that exists in all of us to take advantage of people? You have to curb it in yourself. Whenever you find yourself in a position of power over someone else, if you find that it's rising up in you to exercise that power, curb that stuff. That's the first sign that you are close to the edge because if you continue to play into it, you're going to eventually act it out. I am pretty sure in some of these motels and Warren and so on, I'm pretty sure the maids, the people who clean the hotels, the front desk clerk, the security, I know that they knew that sex trafficking was going on. They turned a blind eye to it. While people's bodies, young people's bodies were being violated. These people, most victims of trafficking never recover from the trauma of their victimhood. They continue to be traumatized. Over and over, it never goes away. That's how come I started a shelter for adult victims of sex trafficking because they were homeless. They couldn't complete themselves. They couldn't stay stable for more than periods of a time. When they remember they, they had issues, they continued to do drugs and continued to drink in order to cope with the trauma of it. Some of them have been institutionalized. And that is why we are saying enough is enough because the trauma perpetuate. So even after the man took his penis out of her mouth or out of her body, shake his penis off, got into his, use the white wipes, wipe off the stain of it, and get into his car and drive back to his home, that victim stays victimized for the rest of her life. That is what we're talking about. And until we get to the place where we start, we start criminalizing the people who continue to have sex with underage victims, this stuff will never stop until we put the shackles on them, until we put the cuffs on men who continue to have sex with underage girls. This is never going to stop. They've got to start feeling it. They've got to be criminalized. They have to be the ones who get charged and get time in jail for raping underage young bodies. That's where it is going to stop. And that is why the Kenosha District Attorney is wrong. Morally and ethically, you drop the ball on victims of trafficking. Now they're going to be re-traumatized over as they watch Crystal goes through a trial. Now they're going to feel like there is no hope. Nobody ever gets away. Killing this guy did not help. Did it help? Does it stop the trauma? No. The trauma perpetuates because the, 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 the messaging from the society is that you don't matter. Your story doesn't matter. What you went through does not matter. Your trauma means nothing to me because I don't value you. And this is where we say, in this down-to-earth conversation, this got to stop. We got to end this now. We got to continue to advocate for victims of trafficking. We can't stop. And we've got to continue to advocate for meaningful 
legislation that targets the people who continue to have sex with children. We've got to criminalize them. I don't care how powerful you are. I don't care how many banks you own. I don't care if you're at the top of the heap of the pinnacle. If you have sex with children, you need to do some time and the cuffs need to be slapped on. And you need to be just as criminalized so you can feel what it means to be victimized. My name is Harriet Kimmick. This is Down to Earth. Thank you for stopping by on this Friday. See you on Monday as we wrap up our holiday celebrations. Make sure you continue to go to my website, HarrietKimmick.com, and make sure that you continue to listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever there's a podcast platform. Chances are Down to Earth is on that platform. Thank you so much for stopping by. To my viewers on Twitter, Periscope, and YouTube, thank you so much. If I don't see you next week, you might be traveling. Have a safe and a merry, merry, merry Christmas. And we're going to see you in the new year. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. This has been Down to Earth. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.